this uh, session deals with a couple very big questions. In fact, we have a lot of questions. We can't possibly get through these questions in regard to sex and movies. <laughs> but we'll go as far as we can. I wonder if the first student would like to come up and read this question that has come in. What's the difference between wearing jewelry and wearing an enticingly teasing dress? We frown on jewelry but overlook the dress many times. That's a good, that is a good question. You can, uh, 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 by the way, I noticed that it said that this question has been put to pastors mm -hmm. and teachers and they haven't been able to answer it. So we have a teacher here from an academy and we have a pastor here. And I would like to ask if, uh, if you want to take your chair, I hate to lose you, but uh, I'll ask the pastor if he would come first. Would you come and sit here with us, Pastor Seal? I'm not going to try to pronounce the whole name. It's been a joy. Astacio. Astacio, that's all right. I don't see why I should have found it's any a, difficulty in that. difficult? No, I know. Oh, uh, Pastor, what would you give as an answer to that? Here it is. We frown on wearing jewelry, ornamental jewelry. But we don't say anything when people wear sex appealing attire. Have anything from the Bible? Mm, yeah. Uh, I believe that when uh, the Apostle Paul presents to us the idea that we should be looking at Jesus and that we should change our hearts and, and our ways, I believe that uh, that has to do with our coming from the world into the church. We're dealing here with cultural traits. When uh, culture is something that is man-made, and when we come from the world, we come from a man-made mind, which indicates man-made thinking, man-made uh, uh, feeling, and therefore man-made doing actions. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the old man. The old man is used to all the things of the world, jewelry, dress, in whatever way, whatever form, as, we, as the question says. So when we come to Jesus, there is a change. And then we need to put out the old man with the old thinking, the old feeling, the old action. So we have a new man now with a new cultural trade. This is Jesus' cultural trade. And I, don't, I cannot see an angel coming down with a, with a tightly dressed thing, you know, or, or with a ring showing diamonds and things like that, because that represents the cultural trait that is from Jesus. And I believe that the day that we begin to understand the sociological implication, the cultural ways, and the change that we must take, we will be able to answer these questions without problems. Uh, when I came to the world, uh, to the church, I came a young man that came from the world, and I liked to drink, I liked to drink, to dance, and to do all those things. But when Jesus called me, then I understood that I needed, I changed, I exchanged my cultural trends. Mm -hmm. So we don't lose anything with Jesus. We exchange things. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I brought a culture that brought, that put me in, in, at the reach of all those things. Mm -hmm. And I exchange it 
by the culture of Jesus that told me that I had then to wear things and to do things in a different way, in a Jesus way. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And we have the teacher here. So would you come up, Brother Newhart Jr.? You heard the question? I heard the question. <laughs> Good question. It's a difficult question to ask a teacher or anybody. A parent has problems with this too, and I am a parent. I feel that um, wearing a watch, wearing other jewelry, you know, there are some that we wear, we wear pins. There's nothing in itself that is really that, that uh, sinful. But the idea that we, that we have, we must bring ourselves so that we can concentrate on what God has for us. Anything that takes away from that, anything that distracts others or maybe even ourselves and becomes a, maybe like a little bit of a God is something that we want to refrain from. Now, we have dress codes in our academies and this, this is probably one of the most controversial of all issues for the students. At least it was. Maybe nowadays it's not that much of an issue, but it used to be what they wear, and this would divide the faculty. Satan would like nothing better than this, to divide the faculty and the students. And I feel that uh, now that the dress codes are a little bit more liberal, perhaps uh, Satan thinks that we've relaxed our guard. I think the students need to be on their guard. They need to be we need to be as faculty need to be on our guard so that we can we can listen to what god wants us to do it may seem very simple but to me that's true and if the students will maybe ask the great wise man uh, the one who cares so much about them wants them to look good to others wants them to be attractive what he feels would be right for them i'm sure he will talk to their hearts and give them a good answer well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your coming, too, very much. So 1 Peter 3, 1 to 3, speaks not against jewelry, but against what? Adorning. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning. There are lots of thousands of professed Christians that have always thought it said jewelry. It doesn't say jewelry at all. It says adorning. The watch is jewelry, but it wasn't given for adorning. So the Lord doesn't want us to adorn these bodies that are going to return to dust <laughs> in a short period of time, right? Instead of the artificial adorning, what kind of adorning does it say? First Peter 3, 1 Peter 3.1-3. The hidden man of the heart, Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can take the place of Jesus shining out of the life, is there? All right, the next question. Thank you. Pastor Kuhn, when you are dating, how much closeness can you have without it being against the Ten Commandments, and how much sex can one have without committing transgression of the law? What about homosexuality? Is it sin? Thank you. Let's deal first with this homosexuality just a moment. Thank you. In the Bible, homosexuality is not called by the term homos the word homosexuality. Anybody know what term it's called by? Sodomy. Sodomy. Some time ago, uh, a uh, couple young persons were traveling with me, and I referred to homosexuality as homo. 
And one of the young men said, you shouldn't do that. That belittles it. <laughs> that belittles it. God calls it sodomy. And what happened, as we find in Genesis, the 18th chapter, what had ha happened to Sodom? And the cities of the plain, they were destroyed by fire from heaven. God said they shouldn't even permit a sodomite to live. And Romans 1, 21 and onward said that, that God's wrath is poured out upon sodomy. It didn't use the word sodomy there. Now, is there hope for sodomites? Oh, yes. Yes. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be what? As white as snow. And any Christian and any leader of Christianity who, who seems to hint that sodomy cannot be, cannot be overcome by the power of God, they are belittling the power of God. I know of homosexuals who have gained complete deliverance through Jesus Christ. And now the, the world is saying homosexuality is a, uh, is a uh, perhaps an inbred situation. It's a lie. Homosexuality is a sin, and anybody can find power in Jesus Christ to be delivered. And anybody who does not come to Jesus Christ cannot be delivered from the simplest sin. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Amen? Matthew 28, 18. So if you know of anybody who is practicing sodomy, number one, don't waste a lot of time belittling them. Don't waste any time belittling them. Show them the power of Jesus Christ to overcome. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says that then inasmuch as we are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus Christ himself took part of the same, that he might deliver those who all a lifetime were subject to bondage. Jesus delivers men and women of any type of sin, no matter what it is, when they come to him and do what he told them to do. First Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Don't let the devil says, say it's impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. So what people who get entrenched in, in sodomy or other sex sins, what they need is not our condemnation. They don't need our trying to make them shape up. What they need is for us to reveal the power of Jesus Christ to save to the uttermost all that come to God through him. Now, that was, that's on just a little on the sodomy. Now, when you're dating, how much closeness can you have without its being against the Ten Commandments? How much sex can one have without committing transgression of the law? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from what? All appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, we have found in our ministry that when a young couple has a closeness, such as is mentioned here, they may not end up having a sex relationship. If they do have a sex relationship, the girl may not end up pregnant. On the other hand, on the TV today, 
announcement was made that tonight 2,700 more teenage girls will, go, will be pregnant. Tomorrow night, 2,700 more teenage girls will be pregnant. So anybody that says, oh, you're perfectly safe, forgetting for the moment about heaven or hell, anybody who says that a girl is safe in engaging in sex, just tell them that right now the world, not the church, the world is saying that 2,700 girls will become pregnant tonight. Another 2,700 will be pregnant tomorrow night, and so on. Now, it's very important that we not go around condemning people for closeness in sex. John 3:17 says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, right? Don't go around condemning people because of their sexual activity. Instead of condemning them, reveal to them the power of Jesus Christ. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling, Jude 24. You see? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins, Matthew 1, 21. God doesn't want professed Christians to go around belittling somebody else because the sin they commit is different from our sin. He doesn't want us going around saying, you better sin the way I sin or you better stop sinning. No. God is not in the business of condemning people. He's in the business of saving people, you see. But since the questions come in, a whole envelope full of them, let me share with you just maybe one or two specific examples. I know a young couple that were in the academy just coming into college. The young man was planning on the ministry. He was deeply conscientious. You don't go around condemning conscientious people. The young lady was a beautiful Christian young lady. But there's one thing they didn't understand. And probably the adults, instead of making it clear, went around scolding them. They did not understand that a young couple cannot have this closeness without the, the extreme danger of sex. And they cannot engage in sex without the danger of pregnancy. So this young couple, loving the Lord, they had this closeness, they had this closeness, they had this closeness, and all at once they lost control of themselves. Conscientious, yes. Loving the Lord, yes. To be condemned, no. They lost control of themselves. They entered upon the sex relation. She became pregnant. Now what is she going to do? Now what's going to do? Psychiatrists, some of the most eminent psychiatrists in America now, are stating that any girl, whether married or otherwise, who becomes pregnant, goes through a most frustrating experience. But the girl that is pregnant and didn't plan on pregnancy, her trauma is tremendous. Number one, what will, what will the world think of me? What will the church think of me? And the boy that engages in it, he goes scot-free. Any young man that fully understands the situation is just plain selfish that'll ask a girl for sex. Her body changes his doesn't. 
she goes through all that traumatic, traumatic experience. What will I give the child? What name will I give the child? Will I adopt it? Will I abort? The tremendous trauma. He isn't having any of this. She is considered by young men as a tramp. He is considered by his peers as a hero. You see how totally wicked, how selfish it is if a young man knew it and realized it. This young man didn't realize it. He didn't stop to, to realize that he could go scot-free, not she. Any young man then that proposes sex to a girl, and I pray to God that every young person here will share this with anybody else that comes and asks. Any young man that proposes sex to a girl, that girl has not merely a right, but a sacred right to say, nothing doing. <laughs> and we found in the Bible this, and it's very important, did you know the Bible teaches that sex, uh, under the right conditions, is most honorable? Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable. The, the, bi the, the, the bed is, is undefiled, marriage. Then it goes on and speaks that those who do not engage in it at the right time under the right circumstances are whoremongers. It says so. All premarital sex puts one or both individuals under terrible guilt, especially those that have a background of Jesus Christ. Not merely that, but sex out of place in the Bible is always associated with heartache, sorrow, hatred, and death. Did you know that? Second Samuel chapter 13 tells the story of Amnon, A-M-N-O-N, <clears throat> he fell in love <clears throat> with Tamar. He had her come. He played sick. He had her come to his bedside to prepare something for him to eat. And he laid hold and said, lie with me. Now notice, she said, no, don't be a fool in Israel. She said, if you ask my father, he won't deny you. We can marry. But he couldn't wait until marriage, and he forced her. The Bible says, after this took place, his hatred for her was greater than his love. So sex out of the proper relationship in time is, is connected with frustration, with losing the very love of the person with whom they have it. Isn't that amazing? And with hatred and with death. Amnon was later killed by whom? Absalom. That's the end of that story. Now, another picture, we don't want to give too many examples, but another picture is that of, of uh, Dinah. It's from the 34th chapter of Genesis. Dinah, <coughs> uh, Jacob's sis, uh, daughter, went to see the girls of the land. As far as the Bible is concerned, she was perfectly sincere. And we must be careful, and everybody that sins we're not to go around saying, well, you're cussed. We're all sinners, amen? But in deep sincerity and innocence, she slipped over into the camp of the Shechemites. The son of the king uh, had premarital sex with her. He shouldn't have, but he was noble enough to say, I'll marry her. Now, this was the world. Noble enough to say, I want to marry her. 
Now it's true that, that Jacob's sons, Levi and uh, Simeon, though they were, as we'd call Christians, they were very, very wrong. They lied to these men. They told them if they'd conform to certain rules, they could have her. They had no idea of doing it. On the third day after they conformed to these rules, they went in and slaughtered every man. They were wrong. They were more wrong than the man was. Yet, it's all connected with premarital sex. So, may every precious young person here today be a little leaven to help every other young person to steer away from this closeness. There's plenty of time to be close after marriage. And let me say one thing more. You would be surprised, young people, how many people have come to me and have told me that after they're married, sex to them was distasteful because they associated sex with nastiness because they'd engaged in this before. Now, very important, very important. If any young person that sees this and hears this on tape, or who is here, has engaged in premarital sex, don't let the devil destroy you. God forgives, amen? He totally forgives. But anybody who is not engaged in it, say, by God's grace, under no condition will I do it. I don't want to take a chance at my marriage being destroyed. Sex in marriage is a beautiful experience under the right circumstances, beautiful. But it can be destroyed by the devil who first gets a person to engage in premarital sex and then after he engages in it, then the devil says, it's all nasty. Isn't Satan the devil? He's the devil. So, one more question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <coughs> what is the difference between going to a movie in a theater or driving and seeing a movie at school? Oh, thank you. You know, how, how many more minutes do we have? We only have six minutes. Oh, uh, all right. We'll, let's take just a few moments on it. What is the difference between going to a movie in a theater or drive-in and seeing a movie at school? Now, whoever wrote that question is, I believe, deeply sincere. Right? I don't believe young people put in questions to be cussed. I've never believed it. I don't believe it today. I believe young people put in questions from the deepest sincere to their heart. I don't believe that older people have a right to make fun or belittle questions put in by young people. Do you, Brother Newhart? I don't believe it. Do you, Brother Pastor? No. This is a sincere question. And there are a lot of movies shown in our institutions <laughs> that... Uh, can you blame a young person for asking? I can't. And there are a lot of movies out in the world that could be even a little better than some shown. So what is the answer? The answer is abstain from all appearances of evil, right? Uh, how many more minutes do we have? Do I have time for it? I'll try. Years ago, I was invited by a couple of dear Christian friends to attend a different type of movie out in the world. I forget what they called it. There was some special name. They said, this isn't a movie. This is an educational. So my wife and I went. Betw they said, it's fine, no nastiness, no vulgarity. We found that in every case, 
either between the two movies or during, there is vulgarity. In every case, Philippians 4.8 says, whatever things are pure, true, beautiful, of good report, think on these things. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, by beholding, we're changed the same image. So the answer is this. Don't attend any movie that brings in vulgarity or, or, does, or, or makes out that sin is not sinful, that makes sin pleasant, whether it's in a school or otherwise. Amen? And God will give you wisdom. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.